Hey everyone, I'm Dr. Kelly Starrett. And I'm Juliette Starrett. And you're listening to the Ready State Podcast. You got it! You better stop it! This episode of the Ready State Podcast is brought to you by Element. One of the big mistakes we see as people are ramping up their training is they don't actually replace their electrolytes. Well, then it's not just those people. It's people who are intermittent fasting, following a keto diet, or even just people who are training really hard. Yeah, well, the phenomenon we've talked about for a decade is that people are uh, really stripping out a lot of processed foods. If you're eating round table three times a week, maybe you don't need as much salt. Maybe not. I remember being in at South Brooklyn teaching, and this woman raised her hand and was like, well, can't you just eat a kidney after training? And I was like, well, you can, or you can just have some delicious element. Because <laughs> I t- guarantee you, you will feel better. If you're manipulating carbohydrate in your diet, you will feel better if you add salts back. Yeah, I mean, if you have done the right thing by stripping out a bunch of processed foods out of your diet, it also means it's possible you're not getting enough salt. And what I love about Element is, one, great flavors. These are so good. It tastes so good. No sugar. I, full caveat, actually drink a lot more water now because Element's in my life. Yeah. And also, you know, we drink it a lot while we're actually training, mountain biking in particular. And one of the one of the big reasons I love it is I don't want to drink something super sweet oh, yeah. when I'm exercising. And so this is my go-to. Kids, get on the Element Train. I hand it out to all of the athletes I work with, and they love it. If you want to get some Element, right now you can order one of their sample packs for just the price of shipping, which is $5 in the U.S. It includes eight packets, so you can try one of their eight awesome flavors. Go to thereadystate.com slash free element. That's free L-M-N-T to check it out. This may sound crazy, but last year, I kind of tried to clone my husband. Awesome. Only kind of though. You see, Kelly gets dozens of requests every day for help. And even though he wants to give everyone his personal attention, there just aren't enough hours in the day. So I typed in how to clone a human being into Google. Just kidding. But in seriousness, what we did do was create our virtual mobility coach platform. It's like having a virtual Kelly Star ad in your pocket. Which obviously everyone needs. I mean, that's right. I personally create over 600 mobility protocols for the virtual mobility coach. So the platform can help you with almost any movement problem imaginable. For example, let's say you're in pain. The VMC will show you a diagram of the human body. All you have to do is click where it hurts. And from there, we'll serve you up a customized pain prescription we call Mobility RX. The virtual mobility coach can also help you warm up and cool down when you exercise. Every day, we provide fresh pre- and post-workout mobilizations for more than four dozen sports and movements. Plus, on your days off, we even have a video called Daily Maintenance to help you relax and recover so you can get back 100% in record time. And best of all, right now, you can try Virtual Mobility Coach free for two whole weeks. So you can check out everything it has to offer without paying a penny. Claim your free 14-day trial of Virtual Mobility Coach now. Go to thereadystate.com slash free trial. That's thereadystate.com slash free trial. And we'll see you inside. In this episode of the Ready State Podcast, I am thrilled to introduce you to an incredible woman who's been in my life for now, (laughs) I hate to say it, over a decade. Annie Torres' daughter, if you've been in the CrossFit community for a second, recognize her name because she is a star and has been for a long time. She is a two-time CrossFit Games champion. In fact, the first woman to actually repeat back-to-back. But her original origin story is that even after just a couple of months of CrossFit, she jumped right in 2009 CrossFit Games and famously finished 11th. She was like the first of the powerhouses out of Iceland and is an incredible human. Of her 11 Games appearances, which is bonkers to say, she's podiumed six times. Her coach is one of my best friends, and their collaboration is incredible. Annie took a break in 2020 just to casually have her first child and came back this year and placed third within the year of having her baby, which is mind-blowing. It's incredible. And it really does speak to the kind of person Annie is and her work ethic and, and her abilities. She's known for competing with a smile, insanely infectious attitude. And currently, she lives in Iceland with her partner and fellow professional athlete, Frederick, and their new daughter, Freya. And I am so excited to have you enjoy this conversation with us. Please enjoy. Annie, welcome to the Ready State Podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to finally be with you guys. We're so excited to see you. It's been far too long. I'm just going to kick it right off with the Instagram video we've all watched 1,000 times. 
which is your 200-pound snatch at the CrossFit Games, which I'm not exaggerating. I literally think I've watched it like 100 times. It's just an amazing... Anyway, it was amazing to watch. I mean, it was all over the place and... It was amazing to perform. So special. So yeah, that's what I want to know. Like, tell me about what, obviously, there was a lot we could see on your face and we could see the crowd. We could see a lot. But like, tell us what that was like from your perspective. So like a snatch event just in general is a really scary event because it's a very technical lift. It's not just like super grindy, heaviest weight. It's like you have to hit the right snatch and have like, yeah, the perfect lift to be able to hit your very max. So it's like scary because you might make a fail on some of the lighter weights. So like on the lighter weights, you're like, yes, I got through it. I got through it. And then when you start seeing some of the other girls fall out, you're like, okay, okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. And then I've hit like in training, I've hit like 190. And this is like my best lift postpartum. I haven't hit my max, but I'm like right at my max there. So once I hit 185, I'm like, that's pretty freaking awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And then when I realized that we were only three left, like when we were only five left, I'm like, wow, mission accomplished. Like this is a strength event at the CrossFit Games. And I feel like going into the games, I felt like I was lacking when it came to my running. And I felt like I was lacking when it came to my maxes, like my strength, because I haven't hit my maxes in anything. And I haven't been able to push myself the way that I've wanted to push myself uh, postpartum when it comes to strength training. And then being there at the CrossFit Games, less than a year away from my birth, and like my struggle has been real this year. Like it's been a real struggle. And then hitting the weight before the 200 was like, I was so ecstatic about it. And I think you can also see it. Like the girls are so focused and I'm like all over the place. Just like <laughs> the emotions were just on the surface. I couldn't hold anything. And it's been like a roller coaster up and down. And it had been like the whole game. So I just, I decided I'm just going to take everything in every single experience. I am just going to let myself enjoy it. And also if things don't go the way I want them to go, I'm just going to let myself feel that as well. And then hitting the 200, like when I failed it and I threw it over myself, I was like, damn, I have the strength. Like the strength is actually (laughs) there. Like I could have hit that. And then I didn't expect to hit it on the second try within a 30 second window. And when I hit it, it's like, it's hard to explain the feeling, but I think you guys pretty much just see it. Like I really shocked myself when I hit that weight. And after I finished then, it's very seldom that I say that I am thoroughly proud of myself, but I was very proud of myself. I feel so happy being able to say that, that I was proud of myself in that moment. I'm trying not to cry right now. Oh man, you're making me cry right now. (laughs) I'm getting a little weepy right here. I mean, yes, you have every reason to feel so massively proud of yourself. And I think we all felt that with you too. I mean, I think we know you, we know your story. We know how long you've been doing this, how hard you've worked. We know you just had a baby. Like there's so much to it that we're like, we were all with you and just seeing your facial expression in the bottom of that snatch (laughs) and sort of the aftermath of that was like really special. It was really special and it was just cool to share it with you and thankful for the internet that we could all keep watching it over and over and over again. It was amazing. (laughs) I was at the first CrossFit Games that you competed in. I was there too. And watched your muscle up. So to have known you this time, been part of your, a small part of your journey, watching your, and then... I think one of the things that I think is so great, how has did being a mother change in that moment? You said you had you couldn't control everything. You were just going to feel it. Yeah. Do you feel like it's a secret superpower to like <laughs> you have this love and this baby and this incredible partner and Frederick? Did that change any aspect of your moment? Because it's a real pressure moment. And we'll talk about your technical excellence in a second. But <laughs> did that impact your mindset a little bit? It definitely affected me in many different ways, becoming a mom. I think for such a long time, CrossFit has been, I'm not going to say my everything because thankfully I have an incredible family and a close relationship. And I've been very careful to keep my family and my friends a priority. But when you have a bad training day, it can really affect you. You can really let the pressure get to you. You can let a lot of things get to you. But after having Freya, It gave me like a different perspective on life. I know it seems like really weird to say, 
but that's what it did. And I guess I didn't take it for granted being at the games this year because I really didn't think it was going to happen this year. And I also had to learn how to, I guess, I don't know the right word for it, part mentalize myself a little. Like I did that every time this year at the games, I had to be like in the morning, my phone call with Freya and I cried and I missed her and I was a mom. And then I gave myself five minutes where I just let myself miss her. And then I took a few breaths and then I was like, okay, now my role as a mom is on pause and I'm going to become the competitor Annie. And I put myself into that role while I was competing. And then every evening I let myself become just now I'm going to let myself be vulnerable and I'm going to be Frederick's girlfriend and I'm going to let him take care of me and I'm going to talk about my emotions and let them all out. So I kind of like felt like for the first time I was able to put myself into different roles and I was actually able to stick with them because I am so many different things and we all are so many, so many different things. And to become 100%, like when you're competing, you have to be able to distance it a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I really relate to that a lot as a mom and I've always worked like since my kids were little. And so I totally hear what you're saying there. And I think you have to do it as a mom. I don't know how else you can get by. Yeah, because I like miss Freya all the time. And I was like, want to just yeah. watch videos of her all the time. And yes, it's really hard. It's really hard. Before That's you ask your next question, <laughs> for those of people who are not listening to the understand we're talking about the CrossFit Games, which you are one of the most successful CrossFit athletes in the history of CrossFit, really helped to invent the sport, what's possible in the sport. You were a long time away as a new mother from your baby. How long were you away from Freya? Because I don't think people understand the sort of sacrifices that the couple mothers who were there, especially from other countries, it was real that you had to come and quarantine. Look, tell us about that experience because you were away from your newborn daughter a long time. Well, I really pushed it. So I didn't go to the States until I like pretty much last minute. So I did my heat training in Iceland and yeah, I pushed it this time and I didn't, I wasn't away for more than two weeks, but it was two weeks and one day that I was away from Freya. And that's the first time that I went away from her. If we pause and if you're around a person who is a parent right now, Freya is about a year old. How old is Freya? Yeah, she wasn't a year then. Now she's one year old in two weeks. Think about how many parents, especially mothers, have been away from their kids for two and a half weeks in the first year. Almost none. I mean, that's crazy. And that was really, really freaking hard. It's really hard. So I pushed making the decision about going to the games and competing at the games until literally when we were leaving. And I told Frederick on the plane, I was like, I might be going home tomorrow. You know that, right? Like, I, I might not be <laughs> I love it, yeah. Right, this may not work out. Yeah, yeah. this may not work great. out. Perfect. Yeah. And he was yeah. like, yes, I know. And that's okay. If we need to go home, we go home. And then I just took it as one long weekend. And when one long weekend was gone, I took it as, okay, we're going to be here a week. And then if I decide I'm not competing at the games, then we just go home. And then the week had passed. Then I was like, all right, we're already halfway there. Like I broke this up like a workout in my mind, pretty much. And <laughs> thankfully, like Freya was with my parents and my mom is really similar to me. And Freya is really used to my mom. Like we spend a lot of time with them because of COVID, like a lot of time at the summer house and Freya knows them so well. And I just told my mom, like, just spoil her as much as you want to, like ruin the routine if you have to. You can hold her while she falls asleep. Like I had taught her to fall asleep by herself. Like you just sing one song, like you give her the bottle, sing a song and then leave and she would just fall asleep. I'm like, scratch it, ruin it all. I don't care if she's crying, just spoil her, stroke her, sing to her, just make her feel good. And my mom just did that. And it was amazing. And I could see that Freya was so happy. Like I got so many videos and called her every day, but I didn't expect to be like this as a mom, but man, it was hard to leave my kid. So hard. It's so hard. (laughs) Well, on this topic, you've been pretty vocal about how you have gone through some pretty serious postpartum depression. Yeah. And I'm just wondering if you're willing to talk a little bit about that experience and how you realized you were experiencing postpartum depression and anything you're willing to share, because I think it's obviously so much more common 
I was thankful to see you post about it. I have a lot of friends who've gone through it, but I still don't think it's talked about that much. And I think a lot of postpartum depression is missed. Yeah. So I just love to hear about it and, if you're willing to talk about it. And let me just set this up for people. I've known you, Andy, for a long time. You're one of the best athletes in our world. Like you're a complete athlete. You're a total athlete. You're a total pro. Your partner is also a professional athlete on multiple sports, right? And you guys are a professional athlete family who knows your body, no mindset training. It's not like you were poorly prepared coming into this. Like you really no. were like the most stable love family. So I think that's what makes this, I think, so interesting, particularly now kind of to tee that up for you. Now go ahead and just talk about it. So yeah, well, this wasn't something that I was planning to really like share. I share a lot of what I do in my personal life because that's just who I am as an athlete and as a person. But I shared my whole pregnancy and I had an incredible pregnancy. Like I didn't expect that. Like I had such a great pregnancy. I was able to train throughout and I felt great. And I was like, okay, I'm going to be able to start training like two, three weeks after birth and be in like a really good shape. (laughs) (laughs) You were crushing, you were crushing during your pregnancy to the point where I was like, wow, my pregnant friend is destroying me. Like, that's what I thought a lot of times. Like, I was like, I need to get my act together. Yeah, I was very safe, but I was pretty good. Like, I was like, I'm going to improve my VO2 max here because that's an opportunity while you're pregnant to work on that, actually. Like, I did a lot of zone work. But yeah, then I had a horrible birth. We can just start with that. Like, I had a horrible birth. It took three days. I was in the push phase for way longer than I should have been. I would say there were some mistakes that were made. My daughter wasn't like in a stargaze and crooked, so she just wasn't popping down properly. So everything just took a really long time, and it ended up in the surgical uh, room with, I think there were like eight or nine people in there to assist and hold me down. And it was like ridiculous. And I finally got her out like pretty much in the last moment before emergency C-section. And I actually think we probably should have gone to emergency C-section sooner, but I'm still grateful that everything went okay. She was really lactic when she came out, but thankfully they monitor her the whole time. And I guess it was also just like a shock when she came out. It took some time until she could start breathing. And then immediately I start blaming myself that I am too stubborn to get her out. Like they would have made different decisions if I wouldn't have been as stubborn. And all these things just go through your mind. And then I lost a lot of blood and I tore ridiculously badly. Um, so... After all of this, I didn't sleep for about three days just because of stress and after all the numbing and everything. Yeah. I would say this was definitely a big trauma. I was in the hospital for two days afterwards and we came home and I still didn't, wasn't able to sleep and was just like nervous about everything. And I couldn't, I needed assistance going into the shower. Like I couldn't hold Freya myself. I couldn't sit and breastfeed because of how awful I felt down there. And it was like a lot of things. And then I remember like three, four days later and I still like, hadn't been able to sleep. And I remember standing there and looking at myself in the mirror and I had this still big belly. And somehow through the pregnancy, hadn't bothered me at all. Like you're growing something. There's a life in there and there's a reason for it. But at this point, it was like, there's no reason for this belly to still be so big. And I could like see the intestines starting to move in there and everything so soft. And for the first time, I just looked in the mirror and I just didn't recognize myself and I couldn't take care of myself. Like I was so weak. Like I remember feeling so weak and couldn't eat. Like I had no appetite. And then I remember sitting and watching TV. Like the only times I was happy, the crazy thing is the only times I was happy was when I was holding Freya. And I think that's why I couldn't sleep because I had to have her in my arms at all times. And it's such a weird thing. It was the happiest I've ever been in my life and the most down I've ever been in my life. So I was so happy holding her and she was healthy, thankfully, and so beautiful. And then when I didn't have her and she was asleep and I was like watching TV, I'm like, why are people even acting in these TV shows? Like, we're all going to die. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like really freaking far down. <laughs> and I remember at that point, I remember it so vividly because Frederick was bringing me chocolate and I'm like, I don't want chocolate. Like, Whoa. usually I at least want something. Like, I always want something like that. I have... Yeah, always in the mood for that. 
And me as a person, yeah, I can get down, but it usually takes like one, two minutes and you can get me happy and giggly again. Like tell me a good joke or give me a chocolate or say something silly. And I can start laughing at myself and start laughing at the situation. But there I was like, there's something wrong. Like there's something wrong right now. So I talked to Frederick and I thankfully and cried about it. And after that, I pumped and I went into the bedroom and I slept for three hours. And I remember when I woke up and came out again, I'm like, I was a different person. Like I started seeing color again and I've never understood depression. And I know this seems silly, but I don't think I ever really believed in depression because I think it's just like, dude, just go out, go exercise, meet people, see the world, like do something to make yourself happy. And there I, I felt like it was such a long time until I would ever be able to exercise again. And then I'm not talking about that I had to compete again or get into fantastic shape. I needed the endorphins. Like I needed to feel like myself. I needed the power and the strength again, the independency again. And after talking about this, and then I talked to my mom about it and I slept and like some of these emotions started coming again. And it took me like two, three days, but every single time I talked about it, I felt better and better. And then we went out for a drive, me and Frederick, after being about a week in our apartment. And I saw there was still a world out there and people were still going to work and they were biking and they were running and they were happy. And I'm like, the world will go on. Like time will pass. I will get over this. I will recover. This is just an injury that I will recover from. And as soon as I opened up about it, I felt like I took the power away from it that it had over me. Then I started being able to laugh at it, like Kelly did here when I said, like, we're all going to die anyways. <laughs> yeah, like, why are we <laughs> acting? Like, now it's easy for me to talk about. But when I said this out loud first time, I'm like, holy shit, I am right, far this down. Is some dark shit. Yes, yeah, this is some dark, dark shit yeah. going on. But like, yeah. being able to laugh at it, you take away the power. Being able to share it, you take away the power and gradually, like, it becomes fine. And thankfully, I am so grateful that I dealt with this so fast and so quickly, like that I was able to share. And then a few months later, I started talking to some of my girlfriends and like telling them about it. And then I heard from them that they had gone through something like this and hadn't shared it till about a year later. And then they're finally getting over it. And some that hadn't talked about it for like years. And I'm like, okay, there's something wrong with that. And like I said, it wasn't something I planned on sharing, but I shared my birth, like part of my birth. And that seemed to help a lot of people. Like the amount of stories that I got in return from women that had gone to something similar and appreciated me sharing it. And it made me feel better reading their stories because I felt like I am going to recover from this. So I decided to share this as well in case if it helps one person open up about their postpartum. Like, why are we ashamed of that? It's just feelings. Like, that doesn't mean that I am a depressed person. This is just a period that you go through. And I always tell myself, we're not our thoughts. We are what we do. We're not what happens in our head. We're what we do with our thoughts. And that's what matters to remember. So it's okay if we get stupid thoughts or weird thoughts or embarrassing thoughts. Like it's just something that happens. Get over it and continue. So yeah, now I'm here talking to you guys about postpartum depression that I know nothing about, but I know what I've gone through and I know what helped me. So hopefully it will help more people. Thank you for sharing all that. Juliet and I are reliving a ton of our own trauma and Juliet's trauma with the birth of our daughters, for sure. <laughs> I think you're right. It's very common. I mean, I'm just hearing this and literally thinking, wow, we, it's hard. It's really hard. It's yeah. really hard. And it makes you leaving your daughter, going to the games, putting a freakish snatch up while <laughs> after having, you know, an episiotomy. And I just want people to understand how crazy what you did this last year was in the context of where the year started for you. It's bananas. I and am also still coma. like, I don't understand how all of that happened. I don't understand how I got third place at the CrossFit Games. Like, it's anyone. Crazy let me just be clear. Me. Anyone who knows you isn't yeah, surprised. Yeah. It's not surprising not to us, Annie. <laughs> And I just want to circle back to my coach nerd self. My Julia's going to roll her eyes. But your snatch was technically so good. Your foot oh, position you. is good. Your mechanics are good. I was like, look, you may not have had 120% of your power, 
You put 100% of your power into 100%. Like, that's a full snatch. Like, that was almost like, oh, there we go. Our work here on earth is done. You've just seen perfection. <laughs> oh, thank you. That means a lot coming for you, Kelly. <laughs> so it didn't gonna, always look like that. Nope. I'm going to turn a little bit in a different direction because we've all mentioned Frederick a few times on this. So this will be a two-part question. But first of all, who is he? And then the second question, and I'm asking you this because people ask Kelly and I this question all the time, which is how do the two of you work together? What's that like? How do you manage that? And I feel like you and Frederick ultimately work together because you guys are both professional athletes, you're training partners. So who is Frederick and how do you guys make it work to be both spouses, parents, and training partners? So Frederick is my boyfriend for many years now. No, we're not married yet. It's like a custom, I guess, like people way longer in Europe We've talked about it. It's not that he needs to propose to me. We will get married when we feel like I won't have the time and energy to focus on it. But while I'm competing, I feel like it's like going to be a stressful thing to have. Anyways, I don't know why I said all of that. <laughs> but, yes. Well, because someone, you know, someone will ask. That's why. It's a question I get very often. We've been together for 10 years now, almost 11 years. We have a baby girl together, one year old now. And we've been training partners that whole time too. Frederick has competed at the games five times, I think, five or six times. And I think the reason that it works so well for us is that we just have a lot of respect for each other. And I am a very open person. I say, I don't bury things in for a long time. I say it if something is bothering me, if something is wrong, if there's something that we need to do better. And we just work really well together like that. I think he's also a phenomenal coach. So he's taken that role on quite a bit as well. Yami Tikkanen is my coach, but he's not always hands-on. Like he's not always with me at the gym, but Frederick has been with me at the gym and has taken that role a little bit as well. And yes, it works. I listen to what he says and I don't get super mad about it. Um, but I don't take that role with him though. I don't... You don't coach him. No, I don't coach him that much because he doesn't take it quite as well. No. So yeah, no, I think that's how it works. We just, we know each other really, really well. So we know how to be around each other at the gym, when to give space, when to give support and so on. But this year we made the decision if I was going to compete again, he was not going to compete at the games. So we just knew it wasn't really going to work with Freya and everything. She's not in daycare or kindergarten. She's still just at home with us. And we love being able to do that. And for that reason, we needed like a priority. Yeah, we trained a lot together, but she sleeps outside in a stroller. And if she was waking up, especially when we got closer to the games, she was more Frederick's responsibility. And then his training might get a little bit more ruined. And I was able to continue and do mine. She wakes up really, really early in the morning. So we took it that on rest days, I would wake up with her. But on training days, he would wake up with her. And then we would rotate and he would get to take a nap. But like, I got to be a priority in a lot of those things. You know, Frederick, I've also known for a long time. And what I can tell you is that fortunately for a lot of men who've had some success, our egos have been stroked enough. <laughs> Frederick was a professional athlete playing football. Yes. And then he's a professional athlete doing CrossFit. So he is accomplished and very good. And yes. we call this phenomenon called Team Queen. When you are married or partnered with the person with the brains and the talent. It's okay to be on that team for a minute. And I just want to give a shout out for Frederick because it is, he is a very good athlete. Yes. But for him to say, well, this business family, we have more success with you, likelihood of as the breadwinner. And that's a big deal. It's a big deal to be married to a Titan woman. I just want to shout out to all the men whose wives are better at everything. than <laughs> No, absolutely. I agree. It is a big deal. And like, this is an individual sport, but in my mind, it's also a big team that you need around you. Oh, yeah. Especially when you're at the level that we're at. Like, I wouldn't be doing this if I didn't have Frederick as my support, Yami as my coach, Andrew as my, like, body worker. Like, I need that solid team that's around me. And, yeah, there's no way that I would be doing this if I was by myself. <laughs> 
So I want to go way back because I don't want to assume everybody knows who you are, Mm -hmm. but can you just tell us a little bit about your background? Where are you from? I know you had an athletic life prior to finding CrossFit. And then how did you find CrossFit? Kind of those three things. Yeah. So I'm from Iceland and I did gymnastics growing up until I was about 15 years old. And then I decided that I was going to become a doctor. So I wasn't going to focus too much on my training and I was going to be focusing on school. But it was really hard to go from like training 24, 30 hours a week to doing nothing. So I started doing dance. I got into the dance academy in Iceland and I was doing boot camp at the same time. Just like I just needed an outlet. And then I decided I wanted to become a pole vaulter. So I started doing pole vaulting and became that Icelandic champion indoor and outdoor in that. And my goal was I had to no go- idea. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And my goal was actually to go to the Olympics 2012 in pole vaulting. And at the same time, I was still doing boot camp, and I was signing up for like random fitness competitions in Iceland. We have a lot of like these weird fitness competitions here. That's not like bodybuilding or anything. It's like you do burpees and sit ups and running and bench press and like these things. Just like one go as fast as you can. And then we got a CrossFit competition in Iceland and I decided to participate in it. I ended up winning it and got a spot at the CrossFit Games 2009. And I was like, okay, I get to go to the States and compete in CrossFit. This seems really fun. So I learned a little bit of Olympic weightlifting and had about a couple of months to get ready for it. I competed at the Games 29. And I think I found what I've been looking for. Like I've been doing dance and I felt like it wasn't enough. I've been doing pole vaulting, but it wasn't enough. Like you were always doing the same thing. I love jumping, but you were always doing the same thing, which is why I was doing that boot camp and these fitness competitions at the side, because I was like, I needed something more. And then I did CrossFit and I was like, this got everything. Like, I'm never going to be bored in this sport. And I can call myself the fittest woman on earth if I win this. So I decided to put my dream of becoming a doctor to the side and do one year of just CrossFit, compete in 2010. There were a lot of people that did not understand this decision, by the way. But for some reason, my parents like supported it all along. And then getting second place 2010, it lit this fire in me. I'm like, I can actually do this. And rest is history. Like I'm now a decade later, still competing in CrossFit. <laughs> so I just have to tell you, you know, when we first saw you, cause Kelly and I were at the ranch when you competed that first time and watched you. And I remember it, but I feel like 2009 was like this pre Iceland aware time. <laughs> I feel like now everyone I know goes to Iceland like nine times a year, but in 2009, nobody I knew went to Iceland. And I remember like you were so exotic because <laughs> your name was Iceland Annie and like nobody really knew what Iceland was. And it was before everybody traveled there and you showed up and you had never done a muscle up and you learned how to do one during the CrossFit games. I mean, it was just so memorable. And part of that is because none of us were really Iceland aware. It was like this, what? She's from Iceland? Like, who's from Iceland? That's very people true, actually. Yeah. yeah. Right, don't you think? Yes. Yeah. I feel like there were a lot of people like, Iceland, where is that? Or that they'd learn in school, like, oh, Iceland is really green and Greenland is full of ice, right? I'm like, <laughs> yeah, you know your facts. <laughs> it turns out that there are, you have an incredible roster of talented athletes around you. Yes. It's sort of bonkers. It's sort of not fair how <laughs> the deep the talent is. One of the things I think is you have a really unique voice on, and I'll, I'll follow up with another question, but how have you seen and experienced the growth, complexity of the games, complexity of being a CrossFit athlete? Because I think in 2009, we sort of had this loose idea of what that meant. I mean, it is. Well, and for reference, we were camping in a tent <laughs> at the CrossFit Games when we first, I mean, just to get like, we were there with you and it was literally, we were all camping in a tent and then now it is what it is. So I'd love to know what you think about the growth and trajectory. And I mean, what is sort of 10 years, like what's the most stark sort of thing that's happened that, around the growth or the evolution of the sport of CrossFit? I guess like the, the easiest way to say it for me is that it used to be CrossFit is about not specializing in anything, but knowing how to do everything. And I feel like it's evolved to 
specialize in everything, you know? (laughs) There's no way you could have gotten off a plane today and just wandered into the podium or like, you know what I mean? No. Top 10. There's no way. No way. can happen again. doesn't matter how good you are. No. I feel like the level had become really like after the first year in Home Depot. So after 2010, I feel like all of a sudden there was like this crazy awareness of CrossFit. I think it grew a lot with that next year. Also with Reebok coming in as a sponsor there and all of that, like it became like this real, real sport that people did. And if I just talk from Iceland, like 2011, it became this thing that everyone knew about. All of a sudden, everyone was doing CrossFit or trying it or had done some of it. So I think we've had... It used to be so few people, but now we have so many good people, if that makes sense. Like there's less room for making a mistake at the CrossFit Games. Like if you're in really good shape and you made a mistake back in the days, it would maybe cost you a few spots. Now, if you're at the CrossFit Games and you make a mistake, you're going to be close to the bottom. Like you have to be your aim game in every single event if you want to place high. I think still own a gym, yes? Yes. Can you talk about, you know, because I think it's really remarkable that you've owned this affiliate, this CrossFit gym for a long time, and here you are at the top of the game. Do you feel like you are a better coach? Are you more reasonable in terms of creating general physical preparedness, community fitness? Or does your gym, like it's an elite training center for elite Icelandic people who were born to lift heavy weights? No, absolutely not. Like (laughs) the funny thing is the longer I've done this for, obviously the more you'll learn. It used to be just like hit CrossFit workouts all the time, super hard, like just go all out all the time. Now I've learned that I cannot do that. (laughs) (laughs) You're an old mom. You can't do that. No, like I need to be smart with my training. After I turned like 24, 25, like After I had my back injury in 2013, I had to learn to do smart training. And with the years, I've also started learning that the same way. Like my parents do CrossFit and they train at CrossFit Reiki Week. And I want to make sure that, yes, they do fun workouts, but I also want to make sure that they do the strength that they should be doing. They do the intervals that they should be doing. Like the things that we should be doing for being strong and active when we're old, if that makes sense. So not just like destroying our body and beat ourselves down all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can be really fun, but you shouldn't do that all the time. And we should use the machines as well. And we should learn how to breathe and like move properly, not just like go, go, go and try to go heavier and heavier all the time. And yes, as a professional CrossFit athlete, I know it's not smart what I'm doing for like when I'm older, but I do believe that I am doing quite smart training. Thankfully with Yami as my coach, like he's also on top of that stuff. I've had my fair share of injuries that we've had to deal with. And yeah, we learn every single time. And I feel like that definitely goes through into the gym as well. I do not take care of everything at my gym though. I coach very seldom. The classes I coach the most is off season. Then I do like endurance classes because I really enjoy teaching people about the different energy systems and all of that, like educating at the same time. But I have, we're three people that own the gym and thankfully I have incredible co-owners that take a big load and I just get to kind of like say things that I want better or improve or <laughs> like <laughs> give my input on a lot of things, especially in season. I owned a gym with some incredible owners and I can yeah, understand, yeah, you know? Exactly. Okay. So first of all, shout out to Yami for being an amazing coach. Just uh, look, you know, I'm going to double down. Oh, you are. Okay, Yami go ahead. is the most unknown technical genius on the planet. One, That's what I would say about Yami. 100%. He's one of the greatest coaches I have yes. ever met in any coach in any sports. Shout out to Yami. Yeah, huge shout out. And without giving away any of your actual training secrets, I think people would love to know, like, what does a week of training look like for you? Or even a day? Like, are you doing two days? Like, just sort of a general idea because I think people would be curious to know. Yeah. And as a mom, it's really interesting now to see you balance all that. Yeah, I do two a days. I train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, rest on Thursdays, usually active recovery or something. I just feel better by doing active recovery. Like that means zone two, just like biking movement for about an hour. 
And then I train Friday, Saturday, and then I twice a day, and then I rest on Sundays. Coming back after my pregnancy, it obviously took me a really long time to start training again, like way longer than I expected it to be. And then I started with one a days and gradually building it up. But soon I started doing two a days and rather just like having a break, even if it was like a shorter session, then just having a break for my body to recover a little bit more. And then I did my other session. So I like doing my conditioning in one session and then I do my strength training or skill training or whatever in the other session. I just like the structure of that. And instead of having it like a marathon session, I don't like doing a lot more than two and a half hours. And especially like what I had to change in my training this year is that Unfortunately, my warm ups became a little bit more like crisp. I still warm up well, but <laughs> crisp is a good word. Moms don't got time for that. I yeah. think this is the truth. I like still obviously warm up, but I couldn't give myself the 30 minutes in the stretching area, just like rolling around on a ball, doing mobility and prepping and talking to my friends and then start my warm up. I had to like, okay, five minutes doing this, five minutes doing that stretch, get on a bike, get the heart rate up, get the blood flowing all right, put on the lifters. Like everything became really crisp because you didn't know when she was going to wake up. But I was really structured with her sleeping and she slept three times a day ever since she was like two months old. I knew exactly when she was sleeping and how long. And then it became twice a day and now she's in one a day, which makes it a little bit harder. But that means that we might have to, all the way leading up to the games, it was two a day. Just one of the sleep was a little bit shorter. That meant that Frederick took care of care of her in the second sleep. Uh, now going down to one a day, that means that we train together for one session and then I get to go for a second session or she goes for the babysitting at the gym. We've tried that once now and it went great, but I don't like her being there for more than an hour. So it means we're in and out, you know? So it's a very different training with me this year than previous years because I'm usually like a little late to the gym and then take like two and a half, three hour session and like enjoy just talking to people and chill, but now it's structured. Yeah. You got to yeah. be efficient. I mean, I'm not at all comparing anything I do to what you do training wise, but I train with this group of moms and we often organize the workouts. So whatever, like the cardio thing is first, like if there's a thousand meter row, we just put that first because we're like, got to yes. warm up. And we didn't really have time, right? And so we're just like, okay, we're just going to like organize the workout so that there's like this extra built-in warm-up into the workout because it's like, we've all got an hour and everyone's got to get back to their kids and get to work. And like, that's how we make it happen. And also, I want to just point out that what you're actually describing is the actual evolution of athletes who have a really dense training age where you don't need necessarily the kinds of volume or the kind, like your density is very high right now and the volume is slightly different, yeah. you know, because you actually are this competent and this durable and this skilled. So it is an evolution. We see sometimes the things that get people to the big dance are not the things that keep you at the big dance. And I just want to give you a shout out for this natural evolution of figuring, hey, I can make this work, but just acknowledge and shout out to the fact that you have decades of preparing yourself to be able to do this in this way. Yes. And really know yourself too. Absolutely. And I think that makes a big difference cool. too. Just, I know when I'm, doing too much and when I need to slow down and I know when I can push a little bit harder and add in sessions. And that's what I had to do a little bit faster leading up to the games this year because I had like, <laughs> yeah. And I want to, I want to just also acknowledge your relationship with your coach because one of the phenomenon we see in CrossFit is people jump coaches a lot, right? This isn't working or they think it, there's another someplace else. I regularly ask coaches, have you ever been responsible or worked for someone for a decade? And very few hands go up. And then I'm like nine years, eight years, seven years, six years. Three years is usually kind of a number. And it's really remarkable your relationship with Yami, your successful collaboration, because he's known you in your yeah. development. And also you know you. And he's very much a co-equal. I mean, he's not the boss. He is a partner in this mm -hmm. thing but it puts a lot more interesting stress and control into your lap. But that 10-year partnership is really unusual and pretty amazing. Yeah, it's definitely special. I think he was one of the first CrossFit coaches, really. Like at the games, no one yes. really had a coach when I started working with him. And <laughs> yeah, that's, that's pretty crazy. And I think I've challenged him a lot. <laughs> 
and made him a better coach by doing so. Oh, yeah, and for sure. And he's challenged me and made me a better athlete. I have to say, I know a lot of what I know about the sport of CrossFit through Yami because you are our testimony. <laughs> so I apologize for all of the... So much of... I don't think people understand is that some of the greatest influences you have as a coach are your athletes. And having been very close to Yami for so long, so much of what I understand is a function of your training, Frederick's training. It's really, so thank you for all the knowledge you've given Yami and I. Well, you're welcome. And I got to say thank you for all the knowledge you've given Yami and me (laughs) (laughs) through the years. No, it's actually really, really cool because he gets really geeky with things and he keeps on reading up and like learning and studying and with all the injuries that I've gone through or achies or something, we always need to learn something else and figure new things out. And every time we, like when we're working together, he like asks me to change something or do something different. I'm like, I trust Yami 100%, but I never just like trust blindly because I'm never going to compete at the games. And if things don't go the way they're supposed to go, I'm not going to be like, oh, it's Yami's fault. He overtrained me or he forgot to program this or forgot to program that. Like I am responsible for myself and my training and I take full responsibility of my performance. However, we are a team. It's funny, like when he asked me to change something, it's like, why are we changing it? And then he needs to like explain and then I try it and then we try the different things out and we like figure things out together, which I think is such a special relationship that we got and developed throughout the years. Like I said, I challenge him, but he is phenomenal. Like he does not get enough credit in the CrossFit world. I think he is hands down the best coach out there. That's why I'm still with him. I think it's really special. I mean, just to kind of reiterate what Kelly said, I think a lot of athletes do do that though. You know, they don't reach their potential in some competition and then they're like, it must be the coach, not me. So I'm going to switch. And I imagine you have had some games where maybe your performance wasn't as good as you hoped. But man, if you look at sort of the trajectory of your whole career, you've had so many good performances. And I'm sure part of that is this amazing and long relationship that is very collaborative that you've had with your coach, which I think if you'd popped around coaches, you might not have had. No, I don't think so. so. It's cool. Yeah, absolutely. And like every year we sit down after the game. So we go through things that could and should maybe have been better. And then we reevaluate that for next year. Like things are never perfect. And that's what makes it so fun, you guys. Like I haven't reached my full potential yet, which is pretty incredible. No, I don't think so. Really it takes incredible. this long to be this good. I mean, yeah. I think that's there's great. too many things to be good at. And I mean, it's like a lifetime of things. And exactly. you just have this, you have this super reason now. You know, there's a great story of two of the best triathletes at the world championships and they're competing and they're on the run. And one of the guys' wife is holding the baby in the back of the camera truck. <laughs> and the guy who's competing against him looks at him and just realizes there's no way he's going to win because this guy's running towards his daughter <laughs> as the final, like, 5K. His wife is holding their infant child, and he's running, and he just destroyed him. And he's like, dude, that's like cheating. What are you doing? And yeah. I just want to say that you are you are now fully cheating for the rest of your life. And wait till Freya's in the, in the stands. It's crazy. So, I mean, tell us what you're looking forward to. And what's next for you and Frederick? Wow. I'm looking forward to so, so many things. I decided that I'm going to compete at Rogues. That's going to be end of October. So that's like a kind of a quick turnaround. And oh, it's going to be great. There's things that I don't feel like we're ready for the games. So I am still working on and fixing things that I need to improve and just like get back to my old self. I'm still working my way there. But then I never make a decision about like, If you're thinking about next year competing at the games, that's not even on my mind yet because that happens after New Year's. Then I make that decision. And I've done so ever since 2013. I give myself a break. I continue training, but I make these decisions after New Year's. I love that. Yeah. Because it's really hard to plan too far ahead in this sport, I feel. I'm enjoying my life. I'm enjoying training. I'm enjoying Freya so much right now. She just started walking, which is amazing. Like, it's crazy. So adorable. I appreciate the human body so much more after having Freya. Like, this is ridiculous. But we can do (laughs) what happens inside of a child. Yeah, it's crazy. But yeah, then there's a lot of projects that I've 
been waiting to have time to do. And that's going to be coming out very soon. Like I unfortunately can't talk about a lot of them, but like in the next like couple of months, there's a lot of stuff going to be coming. And me and Katrin have been working for a really long time on quite a lot of projects actually. So I'm, I'm like, when is this podcast coming out? <laughs> soon, soon. So, so um, we'll circle so yeah, back so, and, and, yeah. amplify. and I, but yeah, there's a lot of exciting things ahead. We could say that we can't wait. Yeah. And I, we love Katrin and we love your friendship and how you two adore each other and support each other. And I mean, just from the outside, please do more with Katrin. I think that that's a, that's a recipe for success. I think so too, where it's really special to, have this kind of relationship, especially with someone that does the same as you. Like we just know what the other one is going through and we can literally talk about anything and support each other so much, which is really rare, I think, in an individual sport to have that kind of relationship. So I'm so grateful for that. And we can have so much fun together. I always mix it it's also. Ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. We're always a little jealous of the fun you have. <laughs> well, I mean, Annie, I just want to say from my part, thank you for being like such an awesome inspiration as an athlete and a mom. And thank you for creating that moment that you could all watch 1,000 <laughs> times on Instagram because it was really like it was just fun, fun, fun for all of us to witness it live and, and re-witness it. And sometime it. I'll show you the 10 years of text between Yami and I with you competing at the game. <laughs> Just it's it is so I get to be the greatest fly on the wall with zero skin in and I'm just like face pressed up to the glass. It's so fun. We are so proud of you guys. Give our love to Frederick and I can't wait to hold that daughter. Thank you. Yeah, it's been so long. I need to come to San Francisco and see you guys. This is absurd. It's been way too I'll long. Dig out well, the we photo need to come you. to Iceland and see you yes. because right. our kids are old now. Yes. So you coloring with Georgia. Oh yeah. When Georgia I have was, that photo. Yeah, that photo. It's um, before we let you go, and especially because it sounds like you have a lot of cool things coming down the pipeline, where can people find you on the internet, on social media? Tell us. Well, most of the things are going to be on my Instagram. So just any thoughts that are on Instagram, but then you can also follow daughter on Instagram, but I'll be sharing a lot to both of those channels soon. So that's probably the best one. Yeah. Daughter. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you again so much for being with thank us. Thank you, Annie. Annie. Thanks, you guys. Thank you for listening to the Ready State Podcast. If you like what you're hearing, check out all our episodes here or at thereadystate.com. And be sure to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes to help others find our show. Check us out and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Ready State. Until next time, cheers, everyone. You got it. You better stop it.